Hey lacrosse fans, once again, we're back with more lacrosse link action right here, right now. Coming up first, we got Marty O'Neill, the NLL superstar, the MIL superstar, NLL GM, and Max Lax founder and owner. So he's doing it all. And on the second half of the series, we got Bob Hanley of Panther City Lacrosse Club, the general manager. He lived right in my home in Saskatchewan. He's been all over the place, coaching, general managing, playing. He's done it all. So make sure you see what he's got in store for you coming right up next. Beautiful play, Eric Reyes. He is having himself a tournament. So he's definitely uh, physical, um, athletic, and somebody to be watching for. In the middle, it just bounces off. But it's picked up and scored. And it's a ticket talking about the foot of figures. That's a comma and a comma and a comma. Gotta get it. Welcome, fans. Again, I got Marty O'Neill from Vancouver. If you don't know who Marty is, um, former NLL goalie, one of the greats. Very acrobatic, fun to watch. I love going through the highlight reels and just reliving it. <laughs> Former NLL general manager, and he owns and operates Max Lax lacrosse equipment, an entire line for goalies and players. So that's really cool stuff. He has been an integral part of developing box cross goalies in Czech Republic, um, bringing some of them over here to get an opportunity to play. And I'm curious to see where that goes. So welcome to the show, Marty. Thanks for having me, Tanner. <clears throat> so let's start with your career. Um, I guess we both know we're both goalies. Uh, it's one of the tougher positions, but definitely one of the most fun and rewarding. Um, what was your greatest challenge that you faced um, with the goaltending position or what is, was the hardest part you found about being a goalie? Uh, really just, uh, I, I didn't play for five years. So my reintegration into the game at that level uh, was hard, but at the same time, I think because I took five years off and didn't play any junior A, I didn't have that experience and it wasn't holding me back or I wasn't hung up on things that I might've acquired at that level. I'll never know because I didn't do it, but I just had to sink or swim at the next level and uh, it didn't go well for a while. And then it just started to uh, kick in. And I think, you know, just because I was active in other sports a lot, uh, it really helped. Um, just make that jump and then took about four or five years of playing senior a before I settled into you know not just happy to be there but starting to really push myself and push different ideas in my head and and uh and I think that's that's when it became uh, like something I knew I belonged doing instead of I'm a visitor here because I didn't play junior a lacrosse so that was the hardest part is kind of just getting over that hump. I think it was more of a mental thing, but uh, it certainly was an experience thing too. For sure. It is a mental game too, as much as it is a physical game, being a goaltender, right? And I also oh. find it's very fluid. Like you're constantly learning no matter what age you are. Um, yep. I find every time I get into the game, I'm still learning new things, right? Depending on players or situation, things that happen that maybe you haven't seen before. You add that to your your mentality and next time you see it you can kind of predict maybe what's going to happen and very fluid in my opinion would you agree yeah uh, he, i would agree tenfold because i've learned more about playing goal across through helping others than i did when it was just my own personal experience and i was playing so i, I would say i've learned like tenfold since i've stopped playing and sometimes I watch old tapes of me playing and just going, oh, God, I wish I could go back and do what I know now, right? And 
all I can do is that pay that forward a bit, and uh, that's what I've been doing. For sure, I look at the same thing too. You look back at a highlight, Ooh, maybe didn't yeah. play that one right, right? So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's sure. Even I, I tell the story all the time. My last game I ever played, it was a playoff game between Buffalo and Rochester. John Grant Jr. was a rookie. He shot two power play goals by me. I went down on one and I stayed up on the other. And if I'd gone down on two, I would have stopped one. If I'd stayed up on two, I would have stopped one. And I guessed <laughs> on both and I stopped zero. So, you know, you make mistakes right to the very end. You definitely win some and you lose some. Um, so I guess talking about the transition, what was the biggest challenge when you transitioned from Canadian lacrosse, WLA, into the big leagues? Did you see a big jump in, in how things unfolded for you? It was just, you know, so I was in the era when Canada was a four by four net, uh, the NLL was six inches wider. So it was a different style of game. Of course, you had to adapt immediately to the plastic stick, which uh, kind of favored my skill set because I was active with my stick. So it, it came quick. And, and I'm going to pose the same question to you because you've experienced it with Canada and then going to play uh, internationally is that I found in the NLL, because there was more net, the players took their shots sooner or their eyeballs were bigger or just, you know, the read was easier in a bigger net than a smaller net. And again, it played to, you know, I like to move a bit. So I wasn't just a step up and cut down the angle guy. So it, I found it almost easier, like in the summer lacrosse. And even when I went back after I retired and played some relief for uh, Rob Cook for Delta, Ladner Pioneers and Senior B, he went on holidays and asked me to play. And I had a hard time playing Senior B because the players just kind of take the shot. They don't pick the shot or they're not as good or fluent at, at making it go where they want to. So they just kind of power it through you and, and they don't know where it's going. So I found that in Senior A even that a lot of guys just like would just hit it as hard as they could instead of take the space that they saw, so, so to speak. So I found playing in the MILL way more rewarding just because it was, it was more of a skill-based game and, and it suited me. For sure. And then when you give them that space and they get wide eyed for it, yeah, right? yeah. then you, so got, did you did you find that at all when you went to play in Prague? I did. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of an in-betweener, like a hybrid, I guess. So I like to be active, but I like to cut off angles as well do both. And I did find that they get very wide eyed for a certain spot. Right. But I also try and cut off the angle and make it look like there's no room. Yeah. Um, the big thing is if, if I was off on an angle because of the three inch bigger from four, six to four, nine, that can throw, throw you off. Right. So sure. it was just getting that muscle memory of where I needed to be again and, and get back. Yeah, and, that, and that awareness of what's, what's, what's over the net or wide versus what's in. And you know, it's a yeah, because that three inches can mean a goal. <laughs> How much right? reach so, they have all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now moving into our next thing here. So you, you take your own experience into account, you develop max locks line of gear. I, and this is what I was, seeing when I was in Europe, right? We've both been to Prague, such a beautiful tournament, but Max Lax is making a splash there, right? A lot of the goalies are wearing your equipment and obviously that's pretty rewarding for you. Um, so we can talk about Max Lax equipment or we can just jump into the European lacrosse experience and what we've we've seen at the tournament at the Alice Tabreski and, and what sure. you see developing there. Yeah, well, I'll just, on the equipment end, you know, I'm just feeling the need. Um, I'm pretty active in the United States and, uh, now Europe, you know, and, and, uh, 
I feel like that's a feature of the game, so I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing and and uh, providing you know players and goalies with equipment. So um, uh, I really feel like the possibilities are limitless there, and so I'm I'm just you know I'm just positioned and happy to be in that spot, uh, helping out where I can. So, with that said, uh, the whole European scene is is full of potential, and it's. Um, you and I talked offline about just the feeling around it and it it really feels right it really feels good it really feels um, more about everybody uh, advancing and it's inclusive I mean obviously the Czechs are kind of a little bit ahead of some of the people because they've got their own arena in the middle of their own town and they play all the time and they've been playing for a long time but uh, thank God for that, because that's kind of like the epicenter of where everybody comes to play and enjoy the sport. And I think that spinoff is really starting to reach. It won't be long before we're going to a tournament in Germany or hopefully England or Finland or wherever, you know, Slovakia. It's it's coming. And uh, I just wish it could come sooner because I'm getting old. That's exactly it. I'm, I'm excited. Like, it is fun to watch it develop and watch it grow. And if you fans who are listening right now haven't been to the Alice Brusky, find a way get there bring a team whatever you can do because Marty and I will both agree it is a tremendous experience it's really special so it's hard to describe it in words but once you're there you'll take it all in and you'll never you'll keep coming back every year you'll never want to miss it so yeah it's a, it's a total uh essence of sport it, it really is uh, there's camaraderie like crazy obviously a different culture and just the fact you're visiting Prague and, and, you know, aside from lacrosse, you can go into the city and see all that history and beauty. And uh, there's something there for everybody. It's just, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe when the first time I went, I went, it was raining almost that whole week. It was the worst week they'd had in 20 years. And, uh, I left so excited to go back and, and I couldn't believe that I had waited that long to go to that tournament. Let's transition back home. And given the state of box across here, what is your biggest concern here moving forward? Well, really, uh, you know, it's hard because whenever I talk about the Canadian game, I sound like a Debbie Downer and, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, people mis mistake my honesty for, for the reality of what's happening. And, and, and meanwhile, it just keeps happening and everybody's sticking their head in the sand like an ostrich and, and, and we're, falling further and further behind so you know the numbers in Canada aren't good they're getting worse all the time I don't know what they're going to look like after we come out of COVID uh, I've heard like feel across in Ontario which used to be rampant is almost non-existent um, you know there's sectors like women's box and obviously I think women's field are, are all gross sectors but um, you know province by province uh other than Saskatchewan, I think we haven't seen much growth in, in 15 years, 10 years. And some of the stories coming out of Ontario, like Whitby area, are horrific. Uh, the, the, the losses in, in registration. And, and then I talked to a fellow in Alberta, like 2019, so they were down 25% in one year. And, and so those stories just aren't stories I want to hear, but I'm on the phone talking to people about equipment and, you know, associations and provinces and and so i i just get to be a receptor of some of that info and, and it's uh it's kind of gloomy well hopefully we can turn things around and the interest sparks back up and the national lacrosse league continues to grow into markets that like saskatchewan and halifax 
that don't have a lot of pro activity, don't have a lot of things happening. So that gives sort of a, a growth, but I want to see it grow everywhere across the board within Canada and the United States for sure. And keep this international scene growing. Hopefully we can do that, Marty. That is the end of our time here. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to uh, jump on board with Lacrosse Link, and hopefully we can do this again soon. Yeah, you bet, Tanner. Thanks for having me. Joining me on Lacrosse Link is Bob Hamley, the GM of the Panther City Lacrosse Club. And Bob, it's got to be pretty exciting to have, it's been such a strange lead up to an expansion team with the pandemic and everything. But now finally, on June 29th, you get to add 13 players. How exciting is that to finally be hitting that point? Yeah, we're very excited, Stephen. It's, uh, it's starting to get real right now. Uh, obviously, we're you know, about eight days away from making our uh, picks of our first uh, first players for Panther City Lacrosse Club. So it's going to be our core group. And, uh, you know, we've been working for months, uh, you know, doing a lot of speculating what lists were going to look like, right? And uh, so now it's real and uh, it's fun really talking with my staff every night uh, about, uh, you know, some of the players and, and moving forward and uh, really getting ready for, for, for the season. But yes, Coming out of COVID, it's uh, been strange for everybody, of course, as you know, but uh, we're, we're excited to finally get going here. So leading up to the draft, like you said, you've had lots of meetings already to prepare. Now you're, you know, things shift a bit, but before now, part of it was general philosophy. You're looking at who might be available. I'm curious what you think is kind of the mix you want to aim for, for veterans versus youth. Obviously a new team, you want a lot of young players, but right. you, some veteran presence, like how do you feel the balance should be? Yeah, you know, you have to have that balance. You just have to weigh what's available versus what's not available. And it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, really. Uh, as you know, in, in our game, Stephen, left-handed shooters, right-handed shooters, right-handed D, left-handed D, it's, uh, you know, you have to put that puzzle together. Uh, we've all been part of teams where maybe the best lefty got cut uh, because we had to keep a, an extra righty, right? And so, you know, all those things come into play. But if anyone knows my head coach and my staff, um, they're going to understand, you know, what uh, what our team makeup is going to be like. Uh, Tracy was a warrior on the floor. I believe he's a leader off the floor. And, um, you know, he's really putting forth in that last few months, you know, how he wants to see it. So um, I, I'm excited to see that uh, finally, but it really is a little bit of a puzzle and, and uh, you know, best player available too in, in some cases. 
And it's a balance of, you know, best player from each team, but you've got to, like you said, you want to have a certain number of forwards, a certain number of defenders, each hands. And the one big question I think that comes up a lot is how many goalies do you take? Do you take one and say, this is the guy we want to build around and we'll sign a backup or whatever? Or do you take two and think, hey, we'll play them both for the season and see who we really like, uh, who, who pans out and play them? Have you, have you had those discussions about number of goalies? Uh, probably at, uh, at great lengths. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Goaltending in, in lacrosse, obviously, is very, very important. So we've had a lot of chats, and there's some good ones out there. And, uh, you know, everybody will find out uh, next Tuesday what our, what our, uh, our plan <laughs> is. But, uh, you know, it's an important position, and there's a few good young guys out there. And, uh, you know, we're certainly going to do our due diligence right up until Tuesday to make sure we, we make the right decision there. Now, you mentioned that you've been working on this and you're going to keep working on your picks on who you're going to be interested in taking right up till June 29th, the day that you make your selections official. And I'm curious to this point, how many times it's already changed who you think you might be taking, what you think you're going to do, because it, you know, you change one player from one team and it affects so many other things because of the balance and that that we talked about. And I can tell you that I am doing a mock draft. Uh, Tanner and I are going to do a mock draft here on the cross link and I'm doing one for IL indoor. I've already changed four or five times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we've, uh, you know, you leave, leave a call at night and wake up in the morning, have a different, uh, different thoughts. And there's, there's so many variables right now, Stephen, you know, uh, other GMs from other teams are phoning about players from other teams. And so there's, there's that you have to weigh. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, there are some teams that don't want to lose players. So, you know, you have to weigh all those and we got to let it play out and uh, we have to be patient with it. But at the end of the day, if it's just 13 best players, um, it will be that puzzle put together. Um, but yes, it, uh, you know, some, some things come up and some things don't. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, you really try to, again, do your due diligence on every scenario that you're looking at. So, uh, I think we've been pretty good with that so far, and uh, thankfully uh, we, we'll have another seven days here to look at it. <laughs> and when you look at it, you mentioned other teams with interest in not losing players and players they would like. And basically we've seen three kinds of trades over the last couple of expansion drafts. Uh, one example is you have a team, an expansion team, take a player that you're interested in, and then, or another team would have you take a player and trade for them. An example, the Seals take Bryce Sweeting from Colorado, send them to Buffalo, they get Ethan shot in a second that they use for Graydon Bradley. Another is you actually send a player to a team to not pick someone. Uh, again, in 2018, Buffalo sent Zach Reed to Philly so that the Wings would take Vaughn Harris instead of Chase Fraser. A third is you take a player from a team and trade them back to them because they didn't really want to lose them, as you mentioned. So, you know, Rochester in 2019 took Chris Wardle, sent him back to Colorado for uh, Julian Garitano and Mac Mike Mallory. They sent then sent Mallory to Vancouver for Travis Burton in a second round pick. So I'm curious how those conversations are going with different teams. Like there's just so many moving pieces. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's lots of dialogue. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, you just got to weigh the value versus, uh, you know, with the return, obviously. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some dialogue, but obviously, you know, uh, teams have a lot of players right now, Stephen, with COVID, you know, they've gone through a draft class and, and now they're going to be drafting again. So, uh, you know, some teams are just, you know, staying pat and go ahead, take a player and we'll, we'll try and figure it out from there. So there's all kinds of scenarios, like I said. And uh, again, at the end of the day, we, we have one shot at this. Uh, we're going to have one shot at the entry draft and 
uh, we've got to make the most of it for Panther City Lacrosse Club. How much have you studied the last couple of expansion drafts to see what teams did? It's obviously a very different situation when it, I mean, it's not really a draft. You're going through and picking the 13 players yeah. you want. So nobody's going to scoop a player out from under you, but are there any lessons you can take from those? Or do you have to look further back at when there was one team that expanded and see how they did? Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we, we try to, you know, learn from history, learn from, um, you know, uh, uh, how a good team, uh, you know, San Diego made their made the playoffs the first year. That's pretty impressive. Um, you know, there's others that haven't done so well. So you try to look at all those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's really the staff and myself um, trying to pick a Panther City type player that we want and uh, can, uh, you know, get us uh, competitive right away. And um, again, it's, uh, <laughs> You know, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of scenarios that we look at and uh, uh, and some maybe we haven't even thought about at this point. Yeah, and it's, I mean, there's so many. You mentioned San Diego who makes the playoffs their first year. Uh, Philadelphia in that same draft, I think, set themselves up for some long-term success. They look like they built a pretty solid core um, on the other end of the spectrum. I mean, you're much more diplomatic than I'm going to be. I, I will say New York had... I don't think a very good draft. I think most people didn't think a very good draft. And that group lasted for one year. And, right. uh, you know, how much pressure is there from Panther City for you guys to win right away? And how much do you have the runway to build a team that may ramp up, take a while to ramp up, but is going to be long-term successful? Yeah, no, it's a great question. It's something we deal with every day. Uh, you know, we want to be competitive right away. We're, we're every lacrosse guy you know, Stephen, they're competitive as heck, right? And yeah. we're no different. We're no different. We want to be competitive and, and uh, you know, we run through scenarios again, you know, how can we do that without, you know, spending on the future? Um, you know, I look at some of the teams and how they've drafted in the entry. Some teams have won championships by how they've drafted in the entry. Mm -hmm. yeah. Look at Kurt in Rochester before they moved to Halifax. A lot of that was, was entry draft. And uh, so, and, and John Arlotta in Georgia, same thing. Uh, so the draft's going to be very important to us too. So we, we're not gonna. We're not going to, um, you know, panic. But at the same time, you know, we want to. We want to push things along. Uh, I think you know me, Stephen. Uh, patience isn't one of my strengths. So uh, we're, we're going to work very hard to be uh, as competitive as quickly as possible. Last question. I think the one other factor that kind of you brought up is, uh, you know, you have the first pick in the draft. You know, you also have the at this point the first pick in the second round, which will be a relatively high pick. So there are some good pieces you can add there and. It's, it's got to be nice knowing you've got that first pick. You could you could know right now. I don't know if you've decided at this point, you could know right now who you're taking first overall in September. So that can play into who you're looking at in this draft as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the entry draft's very good. It's probably uh, a good six deep. And that's without uh, knowing, you know, there could be some kids come out. Uh, but also there's some of those kids are going back for their fifth year. So that's, uh, we haven't done a whole lot of uh, talking about the entry. Uh, we know we have the first pick. so. Uh, we'll be able to get whoever we uh, we want, but at the same time, uh, just focusing on the expansion. You're right; it's it's the puzzle, right? It's the right-handed versus left-handed, D versus O, and and uh, it'll become clearer as we get move forward. All right, thanks so much, Bob, for coming on. Can't wait to see how it all plays out and see this club come together. Uh, I know it's exciting for all of us watching, and I can only imagine it's tenfold for you guys. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. No, it is an exciting time. We're looking forward to it, and. Uh, you know, uh, eight, nine, 10 days from here, we'll have our core group ready to go.
Hi, this is Jaden with Al Anderson Source for Sports. Excited to tell you that we got all our new lacrosse product in for this upcoming season. Whether you're playing box or field, our lacrosse experts are going to make sure we get you into the right equipment to elevate your game. At Al Anderson Source for Sports, we know our stuff. Hey lacrosse friends, thanks for being with us again here on Lacrosse Link. We are at the rundown after a couple of great interviews this week. I'm going to start things off by talking about the book from Brendan Bomberry and Brenner Jacobs. It has won the Mind, Body and Spirit category at the Next Generation Indie Book Awards. The book, I believe it's Aguadza Regoa. Rigawa, My Big Family. Sorry if, I'm, if I had trouble with the pronunciation, but it is a big book, like 473 pages, full of interviews and fascinating information and stories about the creator's game. And Tanner, I remember being at the World Championships in Langley a couple of years ago and talking to Brenner, and he was asking me, hey, can you set me up with this person for an interview? I'm working on a book. And I was like, oh, cool, you're doing a book, really neat. And I had no idea what was coming from that, those conversations, some great interviews that they did. Uh, it's a terrific book and it's really cool to see them getting these accolades. You know what, I'm excited for this book. I haven't got my hands on it yet. So that's something I'm going to have to do. You know, being a lacrosse fan, this is something that you tend to do over your, your lifetime is collect the lacrosse movies, collect the lacrosse books, collect lacrosse artifacts. So this is something I got to add. And it's nice to see a book about lacrosse because you know there are movies there are documentaries but a book is not something that's as common so these guys really have put something special together and they played in Ontario lacrosse and so let's transition into that the Ontario Junior A Lacrosse League is included among the leagues that are announced by the Ontario government that can return to play so they announced on their Twitter officially they are preparing for a season in July which is really exciting um, we're not sure what the format's going to look like, but they're going to debut a suite of events aimed at getting their players in front of the National Cross League's eyes. Snapper? Yeah, it should be pretty fun and exciting, of course, to see these announcements. Uh, in BC, they've started playing. There were some games on the weekend uh, with, that you could see a bit of, so go check that out. And Ontario getting going. I'm hearing some rumblings. Don't know the details, but we will have a lot more news. It sounds like things are coming close to being ready to roll in Ontario. Also, getting ready to roll, Kuflik, the Canadian University Field Lacrosse Association, has announced that they are getting ready for a season this fall. It will be an abbreviated season. Rather than the usual 10 games, teams will play six games. Instead of the usual two divisions, it's broken into three, all to match protocols to avoid overnight travel, to reduce the mingling of cohorts. But very exciting for Kuflik. I was on the call when uh, things were set, and everyone is excited to get back on the field. It is exciting. Now everything's starting to happen all here in one go, one swing, right? Alberta's going, Saskatchewan's going, Ontario's going. We're getting back to normal. We're getting back to lacrosse, and I love it. I'm excited. Lots of action out there. Now, speaking of college lacrosse, um, the, in down in the States, the NCAA has announced, well, Clemson Tigers, I guess, announced that they are introducing a Div 1 women's lacrosse program. There's over 100 schools in that division right now. And they want to be a part of the action and compete for a national championship, which is awesome. It's nice to see the women getting a, a shot at Clemson. You get to go down there, get an education, play lacrosse. It's a win-win all around, right? They will be starting in spring of 2023 at the historic Riggs Field home. So I'm excited. I think you are too, Stamper. We were rumbling about this before we got going. This is definitely something to be watching for. 
Yeah, very exciting. You know, another school adding lacrosse, uh, just the women's team right now, because it does with Title IX, it helps balance out the numbers. So great for them putting that together. A lot of talk about who will be the coach. I'll put in my two cents and uh, plum for Dana Adobe, a great assistant coach at Loyola and uh, someone you can look to see here on the cross link in the near future, a little tease for upcoming shows, but uh, uh, a lot of great candidates and I'm sure a lot of excitement for that. See, I thought you were going to say you were going to put your resume in there. I'm going to put my resume in. <laughs> I, like, I think there are a lot better coaches for, especially for a women's field team than, than me. Yeah. yeah. I'd be happy to, to help out anyway in camp, but I don't think they're going to be looking for, sure. for help. Um, <laughs> speaking of college lacrosse and moving into the pro game, Dehoga Nanticoke, it's been reported uh, by Inside the Cross and others, has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Of course, he left Albany earlier in the year um, in what was presented as a mutual agreement. And he put out a statement saying he was moving on from the team, but still going to school. He goes into the portal. So obviously he's going to be pretty sought after by teams looking for that dynamic talent. The big point to me for, for people who are talking about how does this impact the NLL draft? It doesn't directly. Nanticoke will still be in the draft this year as well. I mean, we've, I've heard rumblings that Jonathan Donville and Ryan Lanchbury may be going back to school. Even if they do, they will still be in the draft. It's your fourth year of eligibility. When that is wound up, you go into the draft just like last year. I mean, Jeff Keith, the perfect example. And actually most of the players in the first round last year did go back to school and didn't play, of course. So, so many guys in that plays in the expansion draft that we're having lots of coverage of too. But um, Ryan Barnable that we had on the show recently, he did say he's going back to RIT for another year. He'll be in all four of those guys, by the way, projected first rounders for this year. So it's a pretty big deal, but not really impacting the draft. You know, it's important to get your degree, right? So that's what these guys are going to do. They're going to develop in another year of NCAA. They're going to continue and finish up their degree. And they'll get drafted, they'll get picked, they just won't play in the National Lacrosse League. And then the year following that, boom, they're in there, they're ready, and life's all good, right? You'll get to see them play. So I think they're doing a smart decision there on their, uh, from their standpoint. So speaking of the National Lacrosse League, this is when my producer is going to put in the Vegas slot machine sound. Because we're talking Las Vegas. It's exciting. I'm excited. Lots of stuff happening in the National Lacrosse League. So the scoop right now is, and it's going to be officially announced, maybe depending on when you watch this, it might be. But Wayne Gretzky, Dustin Johnson, who is a professional golfer, Drew Brees, ex-NFL quarterback, and Steve Nash, who's an NBA coach and ex-NBA player, according to Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet, are on the ownership board here. They are buying in with, with Joe in this franchise. So what does this say about the National Cross League as a whole? If these guys are starting to purchase in on these things, right? And more, more of this might happen. Yeah, it's exciting. I know a lot of people are excited about Las Vegas. That's not my gig necessarily, the Vegas thing, but uh, I, I know people are stoked about that. But I think the exciting thing is this ownership group, Joe Ty, of course, being involved and bringing in some pretty big rollers and definitely looks very good for the league for the future. Because, of course, the last time the MLL expanded, it went OK for a while and then wound up contracting back down to nine teams. I, and I know Nick Sakevich and his group have put a lot of work into the, the pillars of, you know, market ownership, uh, arena, and making sure that things are stable. And here's hoping that they stay strong moving forward. So far, we've had pretty good results. So hopefully that'll keep rolling forward for the National Lacrosse League. 
Hey, thanks everyone for being with us here on the Crosslink. For Tanner Fetch, I am Stephen Stamp. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram and share, subscribe to Lacrosslink so you can get the new episodes every week. Thanks for being with us. Can't wait to see you again next week.